If you were here last week, you know that I mentioned about these biblical counseling resources that we have put out in the narthex, and um, the story about how I noticed that one of the slots was um, was empty and uh, was gone. And uh, with a bit of investigation, you know that I, I figured it out that um, people had taken a lot of people had taken whatever this booklet called "Overcoming Anxiety," written by. David Paulison. It's an excellent little booklet. Um, and with so many people taking this booklet and just understanding just the, the way of my preaching that I'm going to be in Acts chapter 19 next week as people are back from uh, Labor Day. Um, we're going to get into that. I thought it'd be good just to take a couple weeks even to address this issue of anxiety. And, you know, I just tell you, I think it hit a nerve because last Sunday and last week, I had more feedback from my message on Sunday than I have had in my distant memory of any other sermon that I've preached before. Um, just just in light of, I think it's it's where we all struggle. Just we all have struggles and anxieties and cares of this world because we're human. And it hits all of us, Christian or non-Christian as well. Uh, this past week, I received a this RVB, this RVC bridge, um, which is basically the Rock Valley College um, advertising magazine, if you will, and it's um, you know it's it's basically promoting the college. It's got all sorts of things about the college, from awards of of people having excellence, the teachers being excellent, and the, the kids being excellent. Kind of recap of a graduation. A message from the president is, is in here. Some. Some stories about highlighting the, the different um, programs the college has, or, or, or students have gone on to do some great things. And uh, basically, it's just promoting Rock Valley College. Um, no advertisements in it at all. I thought it might be some advertising of local business. None of that. It was just all about Rock Valley College. And, and on page 9, I saw this, this article that Yvonne pointed out to me. And, and the article is entitled this. It's entitled, um, Reduce Stress. Through time management. And then it says right here, time management can help minimize stress and anxiety. And according to the, here it is, the Stress Management Society. I didn't realize there was a society committed themselves to stress management. But according to the Stress Management Society, symptoms of stress include poor time management, can include mood swings, fatigue, inability to focus, depression, and forgetfulness. And so by understanding how to manage time effectively, we can accomplish tasks more efficiently and have more free time to spend on things that we enjoy. And so there's six tips about um, managing your time. First of all, use a planner. There's paper or digital. If you put something down on paper, you don't have to worry about whether you're going to miss something or not because it can remind you. Or track your time, right? By, by reflecting upon how you spent your time, it will help you discern allocate how you need to Put your time in the future. Set goals and, and make lists, right? When, when you set goals and you monitor them and see how you're doing, you kind of can help alleviate the stress that's there. Don't multitask. He says uh, a, a lot of us think that we can multitask, but we can't. So kind of focus on one thing at a time rather than focusing on several things you get none done. Five, create a routine and, and take breaks, right? Figure out whether you're a morning person or an evening person and do your work accordingly, but make sure to take breaks because doing work all the time isn't going to help either. You won't be productive. And reward yourself, right? If, there, if you've done a job well done, right, reward yourself with however you want to do that, whether it's, um, whether it's some ice cream or whether it's a trip or whatever you do. So do those sorts of things. And I just say all those are great recommendations uh, when it comes to reducing stress and anxiety. 
And really, I would would encourage you in all those as you're just thinking about your own time management. Those are all really good practical practical tips as well. But what's interesting is that these strategies, right, I'll focus upon, right, just, just being more productive so we can reduce the stress. Um, they're, they're, they're facing upon just kind of getting rid of our, of our stresses. But, but there's a lot more stresses and anxieties that we can have in life as well. Think about financial stresses. It's not hard to find um, <clears throat> good resource to help you reduce your financial stresses. I just Googled how to overcome financial stress. <laughs> and Google just comes up with all these things. For instance, I found an article from uh, helpguide.org, coping with financial stress. Top of this article is this picture of this couple here, and they're like pouring over their bills, and they're, they're stress-filled about it. And Some helpful advice. Tip number one, talk with someone. Right, whether it's talk with a family who kind of knows and understands what's going on, or maybe some financial counselor who can help, like Gary could help with that, or, or even there's an advertisement on this website that says, get professional help from BetterHelp's network of licensed therapists. Right, just the financial stress, oh, you need a therapist. Like every, that's the, the buzzword today, oh, you need a therapist to sort of help you. Uh, tip number two, inventory your finances, right? Figure out your income sources, track your spending. Tip number three, make a plan and stick to it. <clears throat> identify right where you are, devise a solution, put in action, manage your steps. Uh, tip number four, create a monthly budget. Right? Plan for everyday expenses, plan for your monthly expenses, plan, plan for your yearly expenses. Tip number five, manage your overall stress by exercise, sleep, and eat healthy. And I think all these things are super healthy, help, helpful when it comes to financial stress and helping all those things. Um, but they're, they're specific to um, those that come upon you facing financial stress and trying just to remove that from you. Um, anxieties can also come as a result of relational conflict. I just um, stress about relational conflict. Boom, all these things come up. And, and all you need to do is find more, just Google whatever you want about stress and anxiety, and you'll find all these <clears throat> articles about how to reduce that. Or, you know, send me some, thinking about some future deadline, or you can have stress from anticipation of death of a loved one or stress about concern for your children. And you just need to Google. You find all types of helpful advice on all these things. But it's interesting. When, you come to the, when it comes to the Bible, the Bible doesn't talk like this. The Bible doesn't give us tips about how it is that we ought to reduce our anxieties. Right? When it comes to fighting anxiety in our lives, the Bible takes another approach, which as much as those things... <clears throat> excuse me... <clears throat> are helpful. What they're trying to do is just trying to reduce our anxieties rather than dealing with the root of our anxieties. The Bible, when it addresses it, focuses not so much on reducing our anxieties as to walk through our anxieties in a proper way. In other words, right, the focus of the Bible isn't, isn't focused on making your anxiety go away. The focus of the Bible is much more on how you deal with your anxieties in a godly manner. So last week we saw how uh, fighting anxiety, the first way to do that, Jesus says, is to think about your anxiety, right? To think about the things in your life. My message last week was entitled, Thinking About Anxiety. And we worked through Matthew 6, 25 through 34. This is Jesus. We need an opportunity to talk about anxiety. This is what he said. I just want to read that passage for you again and just review it. Jesus said this, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and your body more than clothing? 
Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of much more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to a span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need all of them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient is a day for its own trouble. And what Jesus says in this passage is to think, is to think about anxiety. right? To, to look at the birds and think about them. God provides for them. Won't he provide for you? And, and think about your anxiety. Think about how much your anxiety will actually change things. If your anxiety won't change things, why are you so anxious? Or think about the flowers. God's made them beautiful without any effort on their part. If God has made the flowers beautiful, will he not clothe you? And the flowers are assumed to be burned. But we as God's image bearers will live forever. Will he not clothe you? Just think about it. Think the birds. Think the flowers. Think about the Lord. He is your heavenly Father who cares for you. And he's promised, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So whatever makes you anxious, know that you have a heavenly Father who is concerned about your troubles. He cares about you. You're in good hands. Right? So, so when you're anxious, right, think. Right? Think about your anxiety and think about your heavenly Father who cares for you. Think about God who sent his Son to die for you in your sins. Think about him and the sacrifice that he made as a, as a atoning sacrifice upon the cross. So we don't need to work our way to God. We simply believe in him. That's his, that's his care for us. He, he doesn't say, oh, well, you need to earn it. There's no earning in this. As we believe and trust in Christ, we're made righteous before him. And if God did that for his son, will he not do others, do all things for you? That's what Paul said in Romans eight thirty two. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Right? In other words, if, if the love of God is so great that he would give his son, will he not give us all things? And so why are we anxious? If God gave us Jesus, he will care for us. So when anxiety comes upon you, think. Think about your anxiety. Think that God knows your circumstances. Jesus says even the hairs on your head are numbered. Now, for some of you, it's more difficult than for others, but it's, it is. It's your hair. He knows how much, how many hairs you have on your head. And if he knows that about you, he knows all things about you. He saw you before you were born, his mother's womb. He ordained the days that were for you before there was even one of them. He knows you and he cares about you. So think about your anxiety. Well, this morning, we want to look at anxiety just one more time and to see how the Bible counsels us to deal with our anxiety. And we've seen Jesus' statement. He says, think about anxiety. <clears throat> and we look at Paul. Paul says this, pray about your anxiety. So praying about anxiety is the title of my message this morning. And my main text is found in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. So you can turn there if you want. Philippians chapter 4, we're just going to sit here and be here and mind the depth and the riches of these two verses, which speak about anxiety. 
In fact, I remember uh, several years ago just looking up what are the most popular verses in the Bible, like electronic, you know, what, what you're going to search for, and these verses were like top of the list. Most people sought for these verses than any other verse in the Bible. Like, don't be anxious. Like, it just maybe why my message last week struck a nerve is because people are dealing with anxiety, with Christians or non-Christians, whether mothers or homeschool moms or bosses or whoever we are. And anxiety is in our life. And here's a biblical way that Paul tells us. He says in Philippians 4, 6, and 7, he says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And I trust you can see how Paul's dealing there with anxiety right there in verse 6, right at the beginning. He says, Do not be anxious about anything. Pretty all-inclusive, I, I think. Um, Paul's saying, don't be anxious about your projects or deadlines that you have Do, Don't be anxious about the financial pressures in your life. Don't be anxious about the difficult people in your life. Don't be anxious about your future health. Don't be anxious about the opin- opinions of others. Don't be anxious about the unknown. Don't be anxious about anything. Right? Don't be anxious about fill-in-the-blank. And for all of you, right, you might have anxieties in your life and you think about the future in some sense and you're worried about it. You just put it right in there. And Paul says, don't be anxious about anything. And I know some people in trying to resolve their anxiety might, might look to Philippians 4, 6 and memorize this verse. says, don't be anxious. And when the anxiety comes, oh, don't be anxious, don't be anxious. That, that's not what Paul says. Paul says, don't be anxious. Rather, he says, pray. Like, unload your burdens onto the Lord. In fact, that's exactly what he says. It's be anxious. Do not be anxious about anything. But here's what you should do, right? Here's the, here's the solution for us. In everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. This is my first point this morning is this. Pray about everything. Pray about all your anxieties. Just give them to the Lord. I mean, just even notice here the number of times he says to pray. He says everything by prayer is a prayer word. Supplication is a prayer word. Thanksgiving is sort of a prayer word as you give thanks to God. And then also your requests are prayer word, is a prayer word. So four times, four, four prayer words, just giving about to God. So not only should you pray about everything, you pray in every way. Right? Just, just, just praying or, or supplication that's kind of like a begging to God. Or, or, or just even their thanksgiving, praising God. A request like asking something of God, like all of you, he's just saying pray about everything in, in every way. And that's what we should do when we face the anxieties of life. We should pray. So every time you're anxious, maybe you can use that as a trigger in your mind. Oh, Paul says pray. God says pray. So any anxieties you have, you just pray about them. So when you're anxious about the house project that needs to become before, before winter, that needs to be finished before winter, what should you do? You should you should pray. And, and when you're anxious about the mortgage payment due at the end of the month, what should you do? You should pray. Good. What When you're anxious about some family dynamics and the upcoming holidays, you know, maybe even anxious right now about Thanksgiving, how it's going to work out, what should you do? You should pray. pray. Good job. And when anxious about the results of some blood test coming up, what should you do? You should pray. pray. And when you're anxious about some family secret maybe coming out, what should you do? Pray. Good job, Trey. You should pray. That's exactly what you should do. Don't be anxious. 
but pray. Jesus said, when you're anxious, think. Paul says, when you're anxious, pray. Uh, The hymn by Joseph Scriven is great. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and grief to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. This is a great picture there. We we pray because Jesus is our friend. And he's one who's ready to come and help us in our need. We merely need to pray and give it to him. And when we don't, we, we forfeit peace. The hymn goes on. Have we trials and temptation? Is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged. We should take it to the Lord in prayer. Can we find a friend so faithful who will all our sorrows share? Jesus knows our every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer. It just means if we have trials, if we have troubles, if we have anxieties, right? Pray to God. And, and, and He's one who, who knows and will care for us. Are we weak and heavy laden, cumbered with a load of care? Precious Savior, still our refuge. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Do your friends despise, forsake you? Take it to the Lord in prayer. In his arms, he'll take and shield you. You will find a solace there. He says, take it to God in prayer. Because he cares for us. He knows about what's going on. He wants us to load upon him our burdens and our struggles. Again, I'm, I'm going to go Psalm 146, verse 5. Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob. You're blessed when God is helping you. You're blessed when you, pray, when you put all your anxieties of prayer upon, upon God in prayer. And so when anxieties come your way, is this your first response? Do you take it to the Lord in prayer? You certainly should. And all those practical pieces of advice, I mean, those are wonderful. Those are helpful. The Bible says, though, pray. And I think do all those things, right? Seek to manage your anxiety by pulling out a calendar, picking out your time, understanding your finances and where they go. Yes, that reduces your anxiety. But in whatever anxieties you have left, right, still pray. In fact, pray first. Pray in the midst of it. So Paul isn't really talking about like when anxiety first comes. He's talking about whenever anxiety reoccurs. And, and, and he's talking about every time that anxiety rears its head, you should pray. He says pray about everything. In fact, one commentator said it this way, right? There's nothing too great for God's power and nothing too small for his fatherly care. Uh, in, in prayer meeting today, we read from Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, and God is able to do far more abundantly beyond whatever you can ask or think. Just even thinking about it. God, God can do all things. Nothing is impossible with God. And yet even there's nothing that's too small for you to give a burden to God because he wants to take it all. God's re- willing to help. He's ready to help. He simply wants us to turn for him. And I just say, this is... This is really helpful for us here this morning. Because try as you might, with all the practical advice, right? If you Google and you're trying to reduce your stress in a real practical way, whatever ways come, how you ever try to do that, um, you know, your anxiety may never go away. It just might not. Um, You know, there are some things that we will take to our grave worrying about. And if... By the way, if your anxiety does go away in one area, you know what's going to happen? Anxiety will creep up in another area. And then you have to try to go through it again. So if you're anxious about some upcoming deadline, 
know what's going to happen once that deadline passes and you finish your job? What's going to happen? You got another deadline coming up with your next project. If you're anxious about the mortgage payment, just wait till next month when that comes. If you're anxious about some relationship with a coworker or, or someone in your school, right? That, that person leaves and you're like, phew, what's going to happen? Someone else is going to come along the way. It's going to cause some difficulty and angst and trouble in your life. Right? So, so and the Bible tells us don't focus your attention so much on eliminating your anxieties because you're always going to have them. Uh, it's, it's a little bit like playing that game whack-a-mole. You know, it's a carnival game where they, they take a mallet in their hand and they got some holes come up and the, 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 the mole comes up and you got to whack it, you hit it down and you try to, try to get them all. And, and there's, this is how it is with anxiety. You just boom, boom, you're trying, you're trying to get, they're all going to come up all over because we live in a fallen world. All of us, our world is broken. And we face these troubles and trials. It's just never ending. And so you can focus on trying to reduce them. Or you can focus your attention upon how I'm going to walk through my trials. And I think that's what Paul is, is talking about here. He's talking about just seeking the Lord in prayer. Right? He's going to give you verse 7 when we get to it. He's going to talk about the peace of God which surpasses understanding will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. Let the peace of God work your way through that anxiety. Because troubles and trials are all around us. Uh, Job 5.7 says, Man is born to trouble as the sparks fly upwards. You go to a, a campfire, you see something, your sparks are flying up. Yep, that we're, we're born for trouble. <laughs> like, we have trouble. We're not going to get rid of it. But we can pray. It's the reality of our life. One trial goes away, the other pops up. Since we knock that one down, another's going to pop up. So you can always try to figure out how you're going to manage all that, or you can just turn to the Lord in everything. And I shared with you last week of some anxieties I have in my life. And so I prepare to preach. I have anxieties about my preaching. Not so much here on Sunday mornings, but the preparation of that. Paul calls me to pray to deal with my sermon anxiety. I shared last week of my anxieties in dealing with people. Especially when confronting sin or being confronted with my own sin or being corrected in my failures um, to lead the church well. Right, This isn't going right with the church and this isn't going right with the church. And as soon as one person is, is dealt with, a lot comes along. And what do I say? Paul calls me to pray. He calls me to pray not to remove people, but to work and walk rightly through those things that cause me anxiety. I have, I have anxiety about the leadership of the church. I see pastors leading larger churches. And my anxiety of my own, like, well, our church is small, right? Am I not sufficient? Like, am I a good leader? Am I not? Can I... Can I carry through with everything I've promised I've said? Do I have enough vision and direction? Am I like, I have anxieties about that, but Paul calls me to pray to discern how best to lead the church. And just by the way, with that anxiety, just my regular Bible reading was in 2 Corinthians this past week, and I read in 2 Corinthians 2.16 where Paul was speaking about his ministry. He said he preaches the gospel of Christ, and to some it comes as an aroma of life to life, and to some it comes aroma of death. And then he says, who's sufficient for these things? Just thinking about ministry and how difficult it is. Who's sufficient? And then he says in chapter 3, verse 5, our sufficiency is from God. Just to help to me in my anxiety, seeking the Lord and seeking about my sufficiency as minister of the new covenant. I have anxieties about upcoming events. Right? We're launching small groups. I've been anxious about the material that we're going to cover. I've been anxious about how well they'll go, about leading them. And I just, Paul calls me to pray to, Trust Him for these things. 
Uh, I'm anxious about projects getting done at the church, whether it's repaving the uh, the parking lot that we we're talking about, or keeping the church looking clean and, and right, and just these things are never ending. And Paul calls me in all of my anxieties just about church and like just just to pray. It's what God calls me to do. It's what God calls all of us to do. And, and here's here's the here's the main point. Here's what you got to realize: it is that prayer isn't the magic bullet to remove problems from your life. Prayer is the prayer for grace to walk through the difficulties of life in an uncumbered, unanxious way. So oftentimes we can think, oh, we're anxious about something. We just want it moved or want it be done or get out of the way. And Paul says, no. God says, no, you're going to walk through it, right? Do you remember when Paul was experiencing his thorn in the flesh? We don't know what the thorn in the flesh was. It was a person or a health concern or even a demon, but he didn't like it. Um, he wanted it gone. And so he prayed. He prayed three times. Lord, remove this from me. Lord, remove this from me. Lord, remove this from me. And he reads this. Three times I plead the Lord about this. It should leave me. Second Corinthians 12, 9. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. In other words, right? I want it, I want it rid. And God says, I'm not going to get rid of that because it makes you humble. It makes you weak. And when you're weak, you trust in me. And when you trust in me, therefore, you are, are strong. And, and you might be discouraged by this. Like you might want the things that are causing your anxiety in your life to, to be removed. But really, anxiety isn't, isn't, the things aren't the issue. The thing is your heart and how you're responding to those things. Because things don't cause you anxiety. It's you and your sinful thoughts that are causing you anxiety and angst. That's what's good. And, and God's grace will help you walk through the trials of life. And you may want that thorn removed, but this, this is the greater news. This is the better news. That God's grace is sufficient for you through the trial. Because the Lord is with us. Did you look back in, in chapter 4 of, of Philippians? He says this in verse 4. He says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. In other words, right? The Lord is near. God's with us. He's going to carry us through our trials. He's going to carry us through our worries. He's going to help us how we think about these things to respond in a right way. His grace is sufficient for us to lead us in our joy. And, and, and when, great, when Paul heard that, that my grace is sufficient for you, he said in uh, 2 Corinthians 12, he says, Most gladly then I rejoice in my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, persecutions, hardships, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And you could add to that list, right? I will boast all the more gladly. I'm, I'm content with my anxieties, my hardships, my stresses, because when I am weak, then I am strong. See, it's the anxieties in our life that help bring us down. And it's right then that God is walking and working in our lives. That's why we need to pray. We need God's grace to help us walk through the anxieties of our lives. John MacArthur said it well. He said this. He said, The real challenge of Christian living is not to eliminate every uncomfortable circumstance from our life, but to trust our sovereign, wise, good, and powerful God in the midst of every situation. See, that is, that is the Christian life. It's not to remove these things, but it's to help in these things to have a life that stayed on God, Right? Thou will make in perfect peace him whose heart is stayed on thee, Isaiah 26.3. 
That as we trust in Him and we walk through life, that's what the Christian life's about. Not removing all the trials and all the difficulties of the world. It's where the health, wealth, prosperity gospel goes astray. You believe in Jesus and everything will be good. (laughs) No, you don't. You believe in Jesus, things might get worse. But if you believe in Jesus, He'll give you the grace to get through those things. In Psalm 55, verse 22, David writes, Cast your burden on the Lord and He will sustain you. It's the idea, right? We have burdens and anxieties. We should pray. That's really just casting them upon God. Rather Rather than you worrying about them, let God worry about them. He's a far better worrier than we are, right? He's got everything under control, and he can handle it. Um, and the promise isn't that he's going to remove them from it. The promise is he'll sustain us through it. Cast your burden on the Lord, and he will sustain you. It's why we pray. It's why God wants us to pray, that we might live in humble dependence upon him. Peter, when Peter spoke about anxieties, he, he, he coupled it with humility, 1 Peter 5, 6, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time He may exalt you. 1 Peter 5, 7, Casting all your anxieties on Him because He cares for you. Right? There's just a humility in praying. It just says, God, I can't handle this. And, and my mind is racing about this, and I am scared about this, I am fearful about this. And it's affecting me, and I don't like it. And God says, I know you don't like it. And God says, just give it to me. Just pray, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for us. That's why we say our prayers, because he cares. We should pray about everything. First response, continued response, always response. Pray without ceasing in our anxiety. Second thing, we should then ultimately find our peace in God. Verse 7. So Paul writes in Philippians 4, verse 7, he says, And the peace of God, this is the answer to our prayer, it's the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This, Paul says, right, pray about everything, and God's peace will come on your life. There's the promise. It's not that our trials are removed, but the peace of God comes upon our lives and watches over us. In fact, you think about peace, isn't that the opposite of anxiety? I mean, anxiety is this inner turmoil that's, that's not at peace. It's, it's restless. It is, it is worried. It's fretting. It's fingernail biting. It's, it's overeating to, because you got worry. It is, is pacing. It's walking. But peace is sitting still, trusting in God in all things. Anxiety is that feeling of unease that brings tension in the air, but peace is the feeling of calm that that all is well. And, and truth be told, right, we won't remove the troubles of our lives. Jesus, in fact, even said to his disciples, in this world you will have what? You have tribulation. We're going to have tribulation in this world. This world is a sinful place. People disappoint you. Pastors disappoint you. Your family members disappoint you. Your teachers disappoint you. It's filled with disappointment. It's filled with discouragement. It's filled with you trying to do some good things and people thwarting on every side. That's just how it is. In the world, you'll have tribulation. Well, what did Jesus say? Oh, believe in me and I'll wipe them away. He says, no. In the world, you have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Realize that he's overcome the world to help you through the world. And Paul knew troubles in his life. Think about when Paul wrote these words, don't be anxious for anything. Where was he? He was in prison. In chapter 1 and verse 7, he speaks about his imprisonment right, right there. 
And what's also interesting is he knew that he would be in prison someday. In Acts chapter 20, which we're going to get to in a few weeks, Paul's speaking with the elders at Miletus. And he says, And now behold, I'm going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there. Only the Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonments and afflictions await me. So as Paul said goodbye to those in, in, in Ephesus, he was going on to Jerusalem and he knew that imprisonments and afflictions awaited him. And it was there through some place of his imprisonment, probably in Rome is where he wrote this to Philippi. He was in, in prison and he writes, he writes to them, don't be anxious for anything but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your request be known, known to God. And he's experiencing in prison, I do believe, that that peace that came upon him. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 12, he says, I want you to know, brothers, that what's happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. So it's become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. In other words, right, Paul was in prison. I do believe that he had this peace that gave him opportunity to share with all the prisoner guards and with all the fellow prisoners there. And I'm sure that it was because of his difficult circumstances that it was the peace that he had in those circumstances that gave him a hearing. I think his imprisonment was probably much like his imprisonment in Philippi. You remember that? He was imprisoned unjustly. He and Silas were there in the prison. And what were they doing? Singing hymns to God. And other prisoners, it says, were listening to them. They were listening to Paul praying. They were listening to Paul singing. And my hunch is that they looked at this Paul and said, This is strange. How can you be praying to God? How can you be singing songs of praise to God in the midst of this prison? Or whatever songs you're singing, some, some joy there. I think it caught somebody's attention. I think it caught the jailer's attention. Because when the earthquake came and, they, and the jailer's about to kill himself because he thought they all escaped, and Paul said, no, 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 we're all here, we're safe and sound. The first thing the jailer asked is, what must I do to be saved? How can I have that peace that you have? I think that's what he was saying. Paul replied, the gospel, right? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved, you and your household. The, believer, the, the jailer believed. His household believed. And they were saved from their sin. You say, what led this jailer to ask this question? I do believe that it was the peace that he had of this anxiety, this turmoil, this trial that he had, and just praying to God and God giving him this peace that passes understanding. And there's a whole idea, like, how can this person have peace in the midst of things? Well, it's because God gives us peace that maybe someone doesn't understand. Maybe other people don't understand. Because, I mean, you think about it. If you have peace that doesn't make sense, it gives you an impact upon the people watching you. God often used trials in our lives to impact the lives of others as we walk through them rightly and appropriately. Because anybody can have peace when all is well. Right? When you're sitting on top of the world, when things are going super well, and you've got this peace. People are like, okay, well, that makes sense. So I need to get on top of the world so I can have that peace as well. But when things are hard, and financially things are crashing, and you, you lost your job, and your children have an illness, and there's trials, and you've been praying, and God's been giving you this peace, then at that point, you have an opportunity for the world to have good ears. Like, what's, what's different with you? Well, you don't understand, but it's the peace of God which has come 
in my heart and my mind's present. And I think that's the impact that it that it makes. And I think what's going on with Paul when he wrote Philippians in jail, exhorting those in Philippi not to be anxious, but to pray, finding that peace and making an impact. And that's the sort of peace that, that Paul's talking about here in, in verse 7. He says the, the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. It's going to guard your heart to your mind in Christ Jesus. You know, this, this peace is the peace that Jesus promised to give to his disciples. You know, before he left, he told his disciples, Peace I leave you. My peace I give to you. He's given them peace. He gives you security of mind. You, you remember when he was raised from the dead, even John speaks about when he came back, one of the first words were shalom, peace. That's why among the people of God, when all this, the world's anxieties all around us, we have reason to be anxious, yet the peace comes, the shalom comes, the steady resolve that says, you know, the world around me is not okay, but I'm, God's okay, therefore I'm okay, because I've prayed and he's, he'd give me understanding, contentment, faith, and trust. It's the, the peace that Jesus gives. Now, notice what this peace will do. It says in, in verse 7 that this peace which surpasses all understanding, like it's, it's under, you can't understand it, you can't quite explain how this peace comes to calm your anxieties. He says, it will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That is, the peace of God will come into your very being. It will perform this, it will put, put this armored shell, this protective shell around your heart and your mind to help you think the way you ought to think, to to make you feel the way out of feel, to help you through the things of life that are giving you anxieties. Isn't that the problem with anxiety anyway? It's, it's what our hearts feel, it's what our, our hearts think, what our minds think, right? When we're thinking wrongly. And, and Paul says, when you pray, this peace is going to come and just kind of protect you so that your, your heart and your mind, you're thinking rightly. It, it's no accident in Philippians chapter 4 that Paul gets back to thinking. Verse 8 Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Right? We think rightly, and when our hearts and our minds are guarded, this peace that God gives, we will think about the right things. And says, what you've learned, received, and heard from me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. So, so. The peace of God comes, and the God of peace is with us. So when everything in your life is giving you reason to be anxious, and you pray, and God then comes and guards your hearts and minds to think rightly, it's when the peace of God comes and you walk rightly through, through that trial. And so my exhortation to you is, my second point here, find peace in God. Find peace in God. You know, what is so interesting about Googling for how ways to to reduce your anxiety. That, that's wonderful. That's helpful, right? You're going to reduce your stress. And um, I mean, that's, that's good. But if it works and your anxiety is removed, like who gets the credit? Or how have you solved it? You've kind of solved it through your ingenious plans. And But God's like, you know what? Those anxieties came in your life so that you might find peace in me. So I just encourage you, just even in the midst of those things, to understand that that. You could trust your techniques of peace rather than trusting the God of peace. As Jeremiah Burroughs says, all outward peace is not enough. I must have the peace of God. 
And in, in other words, right, he, he's just saying this, that I need to have the peace of God in my life. Because I can have this outward peace. And many people with anxiety, anxiety is such a sin, it's so, so interesting, is that we hate its consequences. Right? We hate the fact that it causes our heart to, to, to beat faster, and then it causes our, our palms to sweat, or causes us to go into these bad habits. We just don't like, we want to get rid of that. And these are like, like warning signs about that. And sometimes we get outward peace and we're content with that. Oh, these techniques are reduced. Oh, good, I'm okay with that. But without the peace of God, what have you done? You just, you just lived how to live on your own strength, and that's fine. You go live on your own strength. That's when we're weak, that we're strong, when the peace of God comes into our hearts and our minds. That's where we are. So I, I do say, right, use, use those techniques that are wise, right? You, use techniques to help reduce that stress, but ultimately realize that it's, it's the peace of God that you need to re- rid you of all your anxiety. And I'm not there. I have anxieties. You have anxieties. But it helps when I have the peace of God. So I just encourage you, in your anxieties, just to deal with anxiety the way Paul tells us to deal with anxieties. Pray. Pray to the Lord and find God's peace in your life. Psalm 94, verse 9. is a great psalm, just verse I just want to end with. It says this, When the cares of my heart are many, your consolations cheer my soul. There is the God of peace coming, cheering our soul when we have many, many anxious thoughts. And that's what we want. Right? We, want to, we want to seek the Lord with things, not, not seek our own selves. So let me, let me pray. Father, I know that there are many anxieties in this room. Uh, I know even the anxieties of my own heart. And, and even as Paul commands, don't be anxious. And even as Jesus asks the question, why are you anxious? God's just exposing of sin, that we have any anxiety as an exposure of our own sin. God, that we're not trusting you for the future. And, and, and oh God, we have trusted you with our salvation. Can we not trust you with our sanctification that you who gave your, your, your only son, will he not graciously, O oh, oh Lord, will you not graciously give us all things? You will. And you will give us what we need for life and godliness in Christ Jesus. And I pray, God, that you would help us just to respond as Paul calls us to, to respond in prayer, thinking about our anxiety and praying about our anxiety. And I pray that you would help us to overcome our ranks, not on our own power, God, not that we might say we're so strong, God, that, but on the power of Christ. And may we be able to give testimony of the anxieties in our life, and we have simply given them to you. And you have come. And you have comforted our soul. And you've not removed the problems, but you've removed the anxieties in our lives. That's the only way to get deep down, deal with the heart-level issue of all these things. I pray that you'd come and you'd be with us. Help us to resolve our anxieties the way that Jesus says, the way that Paul says. God, that we might walk rightly before you in all ways as we seek to serve you and love you and trust you. Thank you that you are... God, worthy to be trusted. We do pray in Jesus' name. Amen.